everyone, and welcome again to another great edition of Talking Ticks. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined, as always, by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. We have a, a much more positive pod for you this week, uh, mostly because LSU won. Uh, they beat Vandy 41-7 to in Nashville. We're going to go over that. We're going to go over some uh, some other games that we kind of thought stood out when uh, we'll get into this game against Mizzou that's coming up, which, I don't know, it may or may not be in Tiger Stadium, weather permitting, all due to Hurricane Delta. We will get into that as well. And, I don't know, maybe a, a crystal ball prediction on the cr- recruiting front. Um, so with all that, stay tuned. Uh, but before we do, just wanted to check in with the co-hosts, see how you guys are doing. I know it's too early to kind of hunker down for this <laughs> this hurricane that you know could be heading the way, but it's it's just so far away now. I I know you guys probably it's probably not on your radar just yet, no pun intended. But uh, <laughs> how, how are you guys doing? Oh, you know, good to be here again. Good to be on the podcast after a winning week. You know, we went we went what like 17 weeks last year without a loss so it's a little bit of a a, you know good to get back to that normal feeling maybe we'll go 17 more but um as far as the hurricane goes uh you know we've been daniel how many how many quote-unquote hurricanes has baton rouge had so far that like haven't really come out at least like three or four this year i think it's been three tropical storms ish so like they they say this one might actually be the one that gets us um and you know not looking forward to that but uh either way i guess you know the tigers are going to play they'll either play here or they'll play in missouri and uh if they're playing i'll be watching so that's good yeah it's excited to be back on the podcast with a win after our first and so far still only loss uh, as a football team since we started this podcast but much more positive this week and uh, looking better for the future of the Tigers. Um, although they still had a few things to, to clean up, it was definitely more enjoyable to watch. And hopefully, if they stay here in Baton Rouge, we can watch them in person again this Saturday. Yes, wouldn't that be something? Uh, I guess, you know, it's it's a wait-and-see approach, you know, as it usually is. Uh, LSU, uh, the LSU brass have said it's too early to decide, but they're at least thinking ahead of a contingency plan, which is always good to hear, you know, people – seeing seeing a uh, you know, potential conflict down the line but they're they're already planning for it um i i only wish the university of florida athletic program was was so insightful but anyway we're not dealing with with uh university of florida we're dealing with mizzou this time so uh, i feels like they're you know they want to play ball with us so uh we'll, we'll see how that goes out but uh we'll, we'll get into our hurricane predictions here soon enough but first, we got to go over this Vandy game, which overall, you know, I, I thought it was a market improvement for the Tigers. They looked better on offense. They looked way better on defense. And uh, they even looked better on special teams. So I I know last week we were kind of, I don't know, I, I guess you could say we were a little hard on Miles and Miles Brennan and the Tigers. But I don't think it was without you know, any justification. I feel like we were justified in the criticism, uh, but it looked like they got things worked out this week. Granted it was against Vandy, but uh, at least it didn't look bad. And then it got better. You know, it's like if the game would have started slow and LSU was up, you know, like 10 to seven and a half time. I, I think I would have felt completely different about this game. Uh, you know, and keep in mind that the week before Vandy went to 
Texas A&M, and they they barely lost. I think it was seventeen to twelve, you know, over the course of a full game, uh, you know, and that was you know, that was Kellen Mond's like Heisman moment, and it just it didn't quite happen. But I, I feel like LSU on the road against Vandy showed a lot more poise and discipline and just kind of you know flashes of the old tigers we saw last year how many heisman moments has kellen mond had he's had a ton in his career i feel like he probably should should be on like heisman number three at this point yeah but i mean he he can't he can't nor can you choose those moments it's got to be the (laughs) the touchdown club of new york or whoever it is but uh uh i i don't know i i feel like the defense kind of stepped up a little bit again it was against vandy Mm -hmm. but uh, you know, Vandy's quarterback was a, he was a feisty little guy, but I think LSU was just, LSU was just ready for him. And the, they got a lot more pressure on the defensive line and the, the defensive secondary looks a lot better. Elias Riggs got his second interception. And I, I think the, the defense kind of just needed a game or two to, you know, kind of start to get into their own, which another game or two will, you know, we'll see more of that. But, uh, no, that was my that was my initial impressions of the game, Tommy. What you know? What did you make of it? I think that uh, I think that this game uh, was exactly kind of what I envisioned and kind of what I, that I felt like a post national championship, post Joe Burrow LSU team would look like. I, I don't think anybody would say that that was an, that they were as exciting, as explosive, as dynamic as the team last year. You know what I mean? Like, but you could, and, and there were definitely some changes, you know, they relied uh, heavily on John Emery and uh, Ty Davis price. Um, so that, you know, that there wasn't as much of a, of a quarterback centric kind of, I would say they were more 50, 50 in that game, 50% run, 50% pass. Um, whereas, I mean, last year it's probably like 70, 30, I would think uh, passing. I think that uh, you could see the flashes of, of the, you know, this is the same, the same offensive scheme. You saw a lot of kind of the short, almost RPO looking uh, passes into uh, some of the, like slot receivers. You saw, um, you know, some, some good usage of, uh, of Eric Gilbert, which is, which was, you know, good to see. Um, and, you know, I think that it was, I think it was a quality win. Um, I'm still not, uh, I think there was a lot, I think there were some, some negatives and I, I wouldn't say that this is, you know, cements them at, okay, back, we're back to top of the sec because like you said, it was Vanderbilt. Now I will say, I don't think this was a terrible Vanderbilt team. I, th- I thought they were, I thought they were pretty imp- or not impressive, but you know, sometimes like sometimes these teams like a Vanderbilt or a Missouri who are playing next week or, um, you know, some of the teams that you'll play, like you can tell this, this, this team's just not good. I felt like Vanderbilt was a, a middling, you know, middling team seemed okay. But I do think I agree with you, Scott, LSU kind of, they brought it, they were ready. Um, I mean, they had to be, they better have been. And um, it was, you know, mission accomplished. And, and uh, like, like we got so used to last year after every win, we saw multiple LSU players and coaches tweet out one and oh, you know, it's a, it's they're in that week to week, you know, every, every, uh, every week starts out, you know, O and O and they're just trying to get to one and O. So, um, you know, it was a good win. Uh, I'm ready to move on and kind of see what they can put together for the rest of the season. 
for me, it was kind of a culmination of slight improvements in all aspects of the game coming together for an overall kind of better product. There wasn't really one place where you could say that we were like leaps and bounds better than we were last week, but everything was improved, I think. And then the whole team just kind of meshed together. Uh, I think on the offense, it started with the offensive line, giving Joe Bur- or I said Joe Burrow, giving Miles Brennan more time uh, to pass, and he looked much more comfortable there. And then that translated well into his stats, finding he spread the ball out to, I think, 11 different receivers, although he did throw one pretty poor interception where he just kind of airmailed it straight to the Vanderbilt player. Uh, and then, yeah, the run game, uh, John Emery stepped into his own, had over 100 yards rushing for the first time in his career, I believe. And then, although we didn't see Chris Curry at yeah, all, it was kind, which, of, kind of weird, which we'll talk about probably in a second, but yeah, it was, it was very good to see. And then the defense didn't give up the big explosive plays like they did last week. I think that was the key to their success. I, yeah. I think, I think all, you know, all around the, uh, the defensive unit was improved. Uh, obviously getting Derek Stingley back was a huge help. And, you know, you saw his presence from, from day one, um, you know, I think I think something that somebody that we we are at least I'm getting more and more excited about after watching two games of it is Eli Ricks. He had his second pick of the pick of the season, um, and you know he's he's he got burned I think uh, you know once or twice in the uh, in the Mississippi State game. It's true freshman starting, so you know I, I can I can live with that. But um, he's playing really good at, at the corner position. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it was a I think it was a, a decent showing for the defense definitely and uh i think elias ricks is <laughs> on pace to surpass Derek single i mean two two games two interceptions uh i mean look out Derek single i think your uh your reputation might be on the line here as the the best freshman cornerback to come in but uh just to get on the offense yeah they 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 were a little bit more balanced obviously miles looked better you know his stats 23 of 37 for 337 yards four tds this time only one interception. Uh, but I mean, I think guys, something that we had touched on last week was just, you know, his quick decision-making uh, he, he wasn't as pressed in the pocket. I don't know if that's just, you know, the offensive line doing better defensive uh, Vanderbilt's defensive line, just not getting as much pressure due to their personnel mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, maybe it was miles. Maybe he, you know, just ha- had a, had a week to, uh, you know, Get, go through that first game and, and shake whatever nerves he had off of that and uh, look forward to this one. Uh, he, he looked a lot more poised back there. He looked, he looked like, uh, he looked a lot more like Joe, you know, without the running, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, you know, like he, he seemed like a little bit more comfortable in the pocket. And then when you look at the LSU running, you know, they actually had <laughs> over 150 yards rushing this game. Uh, most of it was John Emery with 103, which is great. And I don't know, coach, coach Orgeron said, you know, a couple of weeks ago that, you know, the running backs were just interchangeable. Uh, there was no one, two or three. They're all one, two or three, just depending on who was the hot hand. And this game, John Emery was the hot hand. So they kept giving it to him and uh, he, he had a great game. Uh, Ty Davis price, you know, he was all right. Not as much, but you know, they're giving it to John Emery. And uh, Chris Curry, yeah, I, I kind of noticed, I guess it was halfway through the game, I thought, hmm, we haven't seen him. What's going on? But he turns out he was he was actually injured. Uh, Coach O said they, they expect him to be back this next week against Missouri. Um, 
but I did see, uh, you know, Josh Williams, who we haven't seen yet. I saw a good bit of him and, you know, he had eight rushes for 30 yards, uh, which was, you know, right about the same as Ty Davis price. So it was really good. And miles Brennan didn't even have any negative, negative yardage. So I think the, the offensive line was better that maybe they gave him more time, but, uh, they didn't take any horrible, you know, negative yardage due to sacks or, or anything like that, you know, um, tackles for losses, things like that. So I thought the offense looked way better. You know, the, the receivers individually, their stats weren't as good, but I mean, my goodness, uh, I think he threw to like 10 or 11 different receivers. Um, you know, five of them had more than 50 or 40 yards. So it's, uh, I thought that was remarkably improved. Yeah, it kind of uh, shows so, you. I was going to say it shows you the depth of, of our receiving core because last year it was pretty much a a two and a half headed beast, I guess you could say, between Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and and Terrace Marshall, and then the occasional like backup mixed in. But now they've got freshmen between uh, Keishawn Butte and Coy Moore getting mixed in there, mm-hmm. and then some guys like you don't even really hear much of. Like John Curry Kirkland had a, a big game with two touchdown catches, so. It's good to see those guys, Jenkins. yeah, stepping up and, and filling the void. And you know, I think it wasn't that last year we had a lack of talent. You know, all those guys were on the roster; they're just buried behind the Blitnikoff Award winner, right? And you know, a guy who's now uh, you know, putting together two incredible weeks in the NFL, playing for the Vikings and Justin Jefferson. So, um, I'm glad that they're getting you know some a chance to shine. Uh, I would like, I, you know, the one thing that I that I always liked about the, the way that, you know, Joe operated or the way that the offense with Joe was, you know, it always felt like, and maybe Terrace Marshall will be this for, for, for uh, miles, or maybe Eric Gilbert, who I think was our catch leader in that game. Is that correct? Yeah. He had four receptions. Yeah. Um, it always seemed like to me, Justin Jefferson was Joe's security blanket. And, you know, he would like, if, if, if the ball was, pro- if, if Joe was in trouble or if, you know, if the, it didn't seem like, seem like the play was going to break down, it kind of seemed like he would go to Justin Jefferson. Um, I don't know if I've, I haven't really noticed Miles having like a go-to guy yet, but, um, you know, he is spreading the ball around. And like you said, there's 11, you know, 11 different people who got the ball or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I think that would be, I, I want to see who really, ends up solidifying themselves as like, you know, the, the number one, two and three targets. But um, overall it was, you know, we've got, we've got a ton of depth at receiver, a ton of talent, a lot of people stepping up um, and it's fun to watch. Amen. Yeah. It's like, how, how do you game plan for, for a team that's got 11 different guys catching the ball? Like if they keep that up, I, I don't know. I would think that that would benefit them. Cause you know, you can't, you can zero in on, okay, well, if we take Terrace Marshall out of the game, then, you know, LSU's got nothing. They're going to have to run it. Or if we take Eric Gilbert out of the game, you know, they're not going to be able to, you know, get that third down. But, you know, with 11 different people, I, I think LSU's got plenty of options. And, you know, it's just they – it seemed like they had a rhythm, you know. It didn't take them quite as long to get going. So do you guys think it was just, you know, Miles Brennan and the LSU offense had to just get that first game out of the way? Granted, it was a loss, and it wasn't particularly helpful for the long-term goals. But, uh, I mean, how much of this was, you know, LSU kind of coming into their own, and how much was it, all right, well, 
It's Vanderbilt. At this you know, point, it, it kind of looks like it might have just been a case of them getting shell-shocked a little bit, like not really knowing where they were with the team. And then that first loss showed them like where their strengths and their weaknesses are. And then I'm sure they made all, all sorts of adjustments from there, and it definitely showed that it paid off. Plus, obviously, the competition may have been a little bit worse for Vanderbilt versus Mississippi State. But we just were unprepared for that game. And unfortunately, it's on our record now. We have to come back from it. But it looks like they kind of uh, put the train back on the track slightly. Well, even Polini, I mean, he, he, had, he owned up to it and admitted. He said, we weren't prepared. We were not prepared uh, properly for a Miss, Mississippi State. That's on me, especially, you know, for, especially on the defense, or he means on the defensive side. Uh, something that I've been thinking about, which doesn't really answer, or it kind of answers the question, but it kind of almost answers the question with a question. Um, I was, I was thinking about this after, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of the end of the Saturday night, you're looking around at the box scores and you take a look at that Arkansas Mississippi state score where, uh, Dana, what was the, what was the final score on that? 21, 14 yeah. Arkansas state 21 or Arkansas, Arkansas, Arkansas yeah. state. 21 to 14, you know, beating So they, so Arkansas beat a team and held, held a team that scored, However many points on us, 44. 44 on us. They held them to 14 and beat them um, at Mississippi State, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, what, I'm, what I'm starting to – or what I'm kind of wondering is, did we just catch KJ Costello on the greatest day of his life? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think all, that's – The whole team. The whole yeah. team played their game, the game of their lives. Yeah. Did we, just, did we just catch lightning in a bottle at the wrong time? And – you know, I, it almost it almost kind of brings me back to what we talked about on this podcast before, like in the last podcast. I remember sitting in that stadium and being like, and I looked at Daniel and I said, "We're going to lose. I don't know about this one." And I, you know, I don't. I wonder. I wonder if it, you know, they, Mississippi State just had the energy. They were. They just had the uh, the you know. The, it's like it's like when you play baseball. You know, the people be like, "Oh, the baseball gods are with you." You know, they just had the football gods with them. KJ Costello couldn't throw. You know, he he couldn't throw a bad pass. And obviously like there's, you know, there was stuff we influenced that too. Like we had to, uh, you know, there's a lot of improvement that ha- that's yet to be made for LSU, but after watching Mississippi state lose to Arkansas, you know, I, I, all I can, all I can wonder is, you know, are we really that, is there really that much concern? Are we really that bad? Or did we just play them? Like I said, on the greatest day of their lives. <laughs> yeah. That game didn't look great, but like people have said for a long time, the real test is when we play Florida here in two weeks and they've kind of been looking like the real deal for the most part. Yeah, they have. Uh, so if we come out of that one alive, then I think you can put a, a check mark by LSU, but things may not go so well, unfortunately. The only bad thing is that no matter, no matter what happens, I mean, this, that first loss is still, well, I don't know. It's almost, it's almost good that we got it out of the way. Because, you know, a lot of times, like, an, a, a loss early will mean less than a, than a loss at the end of the season. Ohio State has been a victim to that multiple times where they lose, like, you know, second to last week to Purdue. I remember that one. Um, so, you know, maybe it's good that we got it out of the way early. But I do think that unless we were to win out, we're, you know, and, and beat Bama, beat uh, Auburn, beat – Florida, we do have an uphill battle coming up. Definitely. Um, but it's, you know, like you said, it's, uh, it happened early and it was the first game and 
I don't know. You could just simply said, eh, COVID, you yeah. know, we, 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 we weren't, you know, we didn't really enter this season as we would normally. And I don't know, maybe the playoff committee could look at that and go, Oh, all right, LSU, you know, we'll give you a little pass here. But like you said, we either got to win out or it's got to be 2007. Yep. And if we lose to the people that we thought we were going to lose to, let's say, let's say we only lose one more. Uh, Cause that still could, keep us in contention kind of like 2007 you know if you if we only lost to Alabama on like you know an overtime field goal uh you know I think that would fare very well uh depending on what to do with all the rest of the games now I thought they looked so much like you know more like the team we expected to see last week mm-hmm. um I don't know I don't know though if if that is enough to you know actually take down the likes of Florida on an away game or Alabama at home. Yeah. But here's the thing is, you know, it's only week two. Remember we were talking about last week, uh, you're, you were talking to somebody about, Oh my God, what's going on with the defense and whoever that was told you, Hey, it's week two. Relax. Oh, Oh, that, that was last season. Yeah. No, that's yeah. what I'm talking oh, about. Oh yeah. No, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That was so, I mean, that, I guess we could say the same thing. It's like, Hey, uh, I know it's week one. We lost horribly to Mississippi State, but you know, it's only week one. Yeah, the can we can still spoil somebody else's season. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, that's always true, though, Daniel. <laughs> we can you but, can always uh, play spoiler. Yeah, but um, I mean, like, I mean, let's let's look at the defense now because you know Vanderbilt only scored seven points. Uh, you could say, well, that's not really much, but uh, you know LSU. Only scored, I think, what was it, two? No, they, no, they scored like 60 points, 60-something points last year. Uh, but Vanderbilt scored 38. And this time they only got one single touchdown. And, uh, I mean, the Tigers, you know, they, they you know, they got in the backfield. They had three sacks. They had, they had two interceptions. Todd Harris got in on the action with an interception. Um, and uh, just everybody got in off tackles and, and uh, tackles for loss. So, I don't know. I, I think we saw the improvement with the defense that we wanted to see. Hopefully, Bo Pelini, you know, that's more along the lines of what he wanted to put out last week, which he was unable to. But uh, uh, it looks like they, they kind of got things, uh, you know, kind of where we expected to see them. Yeah, I thought that was it. I thought that was, you know, pretty much the, the defense I expected to see week one. Right, Daniel? Right. It was much more solidified across the board, especially in the secondary, like we had mentioned before. The addition of Stingley helped uh, tremendously, and then we didn't get burned on the outside. Um, Jay Ward, who got picked on a lot by um, Mississippi State, he um, – I don't even know if he was on the field too much. I don't really remember seeing him. But, uh, he didn't record a stat. I know that. Yeah, because like 20 other Tigers did get a tackle at least, so they definitely rotated the personnel in and out. Uh, gave um, Bo Pelini some different looks as to who he wants on the field, kind of in the more significant games, as well as getting the underclassmen some some reps, which is always nice to see. But uh, they did their job. Jacoby Stevens led him in tackles, wearing the number seven. So you like to see seven making plays. Yeah, and, and Jacoby Stevens was really flying around the field, which was good. Um, you know, it's fun to watch him play. It's fun to watch him kind of grow as a player. Uh, Derek Stingley, I will have to say, did you see he had that pass interference call? Yeah. Which you don't see that too often. So uh, that was kind of fun to watch. You know, inconsequential. I don't think they ended up 
I mean, obviously they didn't score many points and I don't think that, I think that was late in the game. So it didn't, it didn't have anything to do with their um, touchdown, but um, it's kind of funny to watch. Cause you know, he doesn't, he doesn't do to, he doesn't commit to many of those, uh, those penalties. No, he does not. Well, I mean, he doesn't need to either. Uh, I mean, half the time they're not, <laughs> they're not throwing his way. Oh yeah. Uh, and, for, and for good reason. Uh, but yeah, I think overall, you know, just with what Vanderbilt was not, well, not able to do. I mean, they held, uh, you know, they were less than 120 yards passing. They barely got 150 yards rushing. And that was like just, you know, a full team effort. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, what else can you ask for, you know, on the road in the SEC, even though it's against Vanderbilt, but at least we, we saw some improvement from last week, which is, you know, kind of what we needed to see. This was kind of like a, a test before we play Missouri, whether it's at home or away. I think more away will be more of a, you know, more of a test for the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing them at home, you know, as we talked about last week, it, you know, it doesn't really, it's not the same Death Valley, you know. So I, I just don't know how much of a, an advantage playing someone at home or away is going to have for the Tigers. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it can moving forward. I don't know, maybe they can get more, more butts in the seats. I don't know. I was looking at the uh, the Georgia game. They had like four four like state you know seats in a row, and they were just every other row behind them, all the way up to the top of the stadium. But they were spaced out between. It looked fine. It worked. Yeah. So I, I feel like I don't know if, how much of a difference that made in the game, but if you could have double the amount that they had in Tiger Stadium, so let's say fifty thousand, I think that would make at least a slight bit of difference i don't know um but anyway we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll see how that goes but uh yeah i mean offense and defense both improved i would even say the special teams improved um you know Cade york was two for two which is great he had a long of 53 a personal best by the way of 53 yards and something that i wanted to see was uh derek stingley returning punts and he did so he had uh he had actually three returns for almost 100 yards he 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 maxed out at ninety two, but if you watched him, uh, man, it just it had some. He had it had a little inkling of uh, of the honey badger back there. Just after he caught the ball, you know, mm-hmm. he would kind of make a move, but he as he was moving, he was watching to see how the uh, the defense would react, and then he made his move, which yeah, is you, great. You could tell he was like trying to break one off, which oh, yeah. he, he did like to some extent. The the announcers even mentioned it during the game. They're like, what would it take for a defensive player like Stingley to win the Heisman? And they said, well, if you do, you're most likely going to be returning kicks and have to have at least one or two kickoff returns or punt returns uh, for that matter. Like, so they were saying that if anybody could do it, then he can do it. You know, it, and people have been talking about it. I remember uh, I did a little bit of, little bit of, you know, report firsthand reporting myself, when I, uh, when I got to tour the football ops center and I asked Coach O, there was a little question time where you had to ask Coach O questions. And I asked him uh, if we're going to get to see Derek Stingley play any, uh, play any offense this year. And he said, you know, not this year. His, his, he made a commitment to his dad that he would, he would uh, leave him on defense for his first two years. Junior year, theoretically next year, um, we'll get to see, you know, maybe we'll get to see some, some offensive production from him. But I, I will agree that uh, his, you know, I felt I thought last year, and I don't know if this was a conscious choice by the team or by Stingley, or if it was just him, you know, still trying to figure out, um, you know, playing high level, the best football in college, you know, playing in the best conference 
and playing one of the most difficult positions to go from uh, from high school to college in. But it, it did seem to me that that he wasn't as explosive as I thought he would be last year playing, uh, you know, ki- taking uh, punts. I don't know. Did you did y'all notice that? I felt like you know he always he'd run it for maybe ten or you know ten or fifteen yards. He fair caught a lot, but he didn't run off that much. Yeah, I guess because mm. top end speed isn't really his like forte. Like he's fast, but he's not like an absolute burner. Yeah, and so he couldn't have like one move and gone. He had to rely on his elusiveness a little bit, which is tough as a freshman kind of in those situations. But I also thought you know maybe it was that they were so confident in their offense. It's like. Because, I mean, hey, we do remember against Auburn when he – or was it Auburn or Florida when he fumbled? It was Auburn. When it was he, Auburn. Yeah, when he, he kind of he muffed, muffed the punt. Muffed yeah. The kick, yeah. You know, like – and after that, we I don't feel like he – I almost felt like – I wonder if the if the team was like, hey, you focus on being the best DB in the country. Take, you know, take the punt. Just, just fair catch it or just catch it. You know, scramble for five or ten yards, and then we'll move on from there and give it to Joe. But – um it was good to see that that spark that we kind of heard him, you know, have at at uh, at the returner position, actually on the field. And and it does, yeah, Daniel. You know, you, you mentioned about him potentially competing for uh, for. And I remember as I was talking to Coach O, uh, he said he said that uh, you know, yeah, we want to put him, we want to put him in a position to uh, compete for a quote big award. So. Uh, just like the announcer said in the, in the, uh, in the broadcast. Yeah. Like if you're going to compete for, uh, for the Heisman, you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to score some touchdowns or something like that. And, uh, I, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for him returning more punts. And then, you know, next year, maybe playing a little bit of offense. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I think, I mean, that's what they did with Patrick Peterson. I think it was his junior year. They got him in some passing routes, uh, I think in the same, same with Charles know, Woodson. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were, I think they were at that point they knew, all right, well, with this guy's defensive and special teams play, we know he will be considered. We feel like we need to get him a, an offensive touchdown just to have that highlight mm-hmm. so that they can kind of wrap up that Heisman nomination and vote. And yeah, I mean, it worked for Charles Woodson didn't quite work for Patrick Peterson, uh, but you know, who knows? It, it could work for Derek Stanley, but, but you know, like you said, that'll be next year. But I, I think, um, I mean, look at Tyron Matthew. He didn't have any offensive plays, but he didn't need them. You know, I think oh, by no. this point in the season, he already had like two or three touchdowns. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's where it's going to come. It's like, if, if Derek Stingley, like if he can intercept one and take it back and even have a punt return and take it back in the same game, it's like that gets him that much far ahead. Because mm-hmm. you remember early on when it was uh, Leonard Fournette, I think he, you know, it was early on in the season and it was just this this one play up at Syracuse where Brandon Harris was about to get sacked or just get tackled for a loss. And he just, Leonard Fournette said, hey, give it to me. And he flipped <laughs> it to him. And Leonard Fournette took it for a touchdown. And, you know, it was just one of those freak plays where, you know, it wasn't planned, but Leonard, it was basically Leonard Fournette turned that into a touchdown. Yeah. And, you know, from that, I feel like it kind of projected his Heisman arc, so to speak. So, you know, I think like now that Derek Stingley's back, he's had a game. He's he looked good on the punt returns. He looked good in coverage as he usually does. So, I think if he can uh, turn some of these into points, that that will uh, that will start to put him up that up that ladder. But um, I don't know. I, I think this next week against Mizzou, 
against the Missouri Tigers, whether it's here or in Columbia, Missouri, I think is another chance for Derek to kind of, you know, just kind of get into, get into his form and who knows, maybe he could return an interception or a punt back because it's games like that, where I think he's a, you know, it's a lot more probable that he would make those kind of plays the following week at Florida, maybe not as much, although those would probably stand out more, but um, looking at Mizzou, I think the Tigers are kind of looking at what they did this week against Vanderbilt. I mean, Missouri's 0-2. Their loss against Alabama actually wasn't that bad. I mean, they they lost by basically 19 points. They They held Alabama to 38 points, which is pretty good, considering Alabama just put up 50 58 or whatever it was against uh, A&M at home. And then they lost to Tennessee uh, this past week, 35 to 12. So, I mean, that's it, kind of consistent, you know, and Alabama is Alabama, but, you know, kind of like you said last week, Tommy, Tennessee might be kind of creeping back up into the, at least the middle tier of the SEC. I don't know if they're going to win the, win the East, but uh, I mean, they definitely look a lot better. So, you know, Mizzou had some, some pretty good games and they, they paired the same in both of them. So I feel like LSU is in a good position here to take one at home or away. And uh, I don't know, let, let the players play, you know? Yeah. As um, far as, as far as like the logistics of the game, uh, there's been some reports just in the past hour that, have come out saying that they pretty much will move the game to Missouri and they're expecting 11 a.m. kickoff oh, no. uh, at Missouri. Oh, the, one of those. Yeah, the official announcement from the SEC is supposed to happen tomorrow, Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. So, unfortunately, it looks like we may not be calling Baton Rouge this week, bringing us down to, to four home games for the season, which kind of sucks. Who would have who thought that the, uh, that the first game moved in college football – is due to hurricane and not like the vi- not some virus outbreak or something. <laughs> well, that's what they claim at least. But <laughs> what <laughs> are you saying that the virus is? I mean, that the uh, the hurricane is a conspiracy. It might be a hurricane virus. <laughs> but yeah, so unfortunately, it looks like that. Yeah, they'll be moving the game. And I was actually told this a couple of days ago. A friend of mine who's a uh, oh. in the LSU program was Inside saying resources. Yeah. Even a few days ago this weekend, they were treating the game like an away game and uh, making all the preparations necessary and we're fully expecting to. So it looks like that's kind of, so it's been in the works. Yeah. Coming to fruition. And, and I guess, and it's also good, you know, they, the team has been aware of this since really um, what you told me this on. It was Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that means that I, I, I'm glad that, you know, the team's been preparing for a road game because you wouldn't want to, uh, you know, decide on a Thursday afternoon. Okay. We're actually going to Missouri. <laughs> Pack yeah. your bags guys. Yeah, right. and, and as bad as it is, it's a little bit better, I think, than kind of sticking to your guns to play here. And then you get beat down by a hurricane and like kind of call the game off or something. I mean, we can't, you know, we can't afford to have it to miss a game this year. Like we've already, you know, it's already an abbreviated schedule and it's already late in the season. So I think it's a good, I think it's a good call. And, just from from the uh, from the aspects of the Tigers, like I'm fine with them. I think that we're all in agreement. We think LSU is going to beat Missouri. I mean, you know, after the Mississippi, we all we were all in agreement they were going to beat Mississippi State too. But um, you know, I think this team's probably not as talented as as the Mississippi State team. Uh, I, I like that they're going to get some more experience on the road. Uh, you know, it's like we've all said, and we don't have to say it over and over again, but 
it's a different kind of year. This team hasn't practiced that, that much. This team hasn't gone through fall and, and spring practice. So getting them experience in a hot, in a quota, you know, as hostile an environment as you're going to get uh, prior to going to the swamp. I think that's a good thing. Right. I kind of expect them to put up competition somewhere between that of Mississippi state and Vanderbilt. Um, I'd say on the lower end though. Yeah, I guess I can see what you're saying. They got beat reasonably bad by Tennessee, who's not exactly a, a Titan at this point. And also, I just don't think that I, – I, I, I'm starting to think, I don't know if, if we play Mississippi State again, will we, I don't know if it'd be the same game. Yeah, that's true. Um, so we'll have to see. But if – I mean, just to throw out a score, something like 40 to 20 kind of seems reasonable to me. Uh, decently high scoring. That's about what, how much we've been scoring and uh, how much Mizzou's been given up. So something like that. But I think in Columbia, Missouri, uh, the LSU Tigers can take down those of, of the zoo. <laughs> I think the Tigers are going to win. <laughs> so they, they're already talking about moving the game back on Sunday because I didn't even know about the storm until today. So it's like I didn't even think it was completely formed. But I guess just the way the way this thing is forming and the trajectory of it, uh, I guess they're just, you know, planning for the worst, which – is good. Uh, and I guess I kind of agree with you, Tommy, you know, if it's a, if it's another away game, it prepares them, I guess that much more for Florida as nice as home games are, but you know, this year, I, I just don't know if it matters that much, but uh, I don't know if the atmosphere in the stadium matters as much, but I, I do think there's something, something to be said for, you know, getting on a, getting on a plane, stay, staying in a hotel room, who you're going to, you know, who's rooming with who, you know, curfews stay, you know, it's, it's just different. It's going to, you know, it's not the, it's not the leisurely, um, you know, I spend my, my Thursday night or my Friday night in my bed at home. No, you know, you're on the road. <laughs> like, so I think, I think it's a good thing or, or I wouldn't say it's a good thing, but I think it's, um, I think it can, it can benefit the team a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I, I just don't think that, uh, you know, whether it's a home or away, like just Missouri's offensive attack is, uh, uh, it's just, it's just, it's just not quite there yet. Like their, their quarterback has, or both of their quarterbacks have, I think like less than 500 yards combined over the first two games. So it's, uh, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's like, I remember they had Kelly Bryant, you know, they had some some more formidable quarterbacks uh, years before that, you know, when they had different coaches, obviously. But uh, it's like, who is Mizzou? Yeah, there isn't like a Drew Locke or a Blaine Gabbert. Um, yeah, or Kelly you know, Bryant. Kelly Bryant, yep. Yeah. So uh, I think I think Missouri could, you know, they could go on the upswing, probably not this year, but in a few years. I like that uh, the coach out of Appalachian State who they got. Um, Drinkowitz. Yeah, Eric, is it Eric? Eli. Eli. Yeah. Eli. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it could be, but I, I don't, I agree with you, Scott. Like there's not much to this Missouri team that, that I'm, uh, that wowed by. Right. Um, right now the lot also right now, the line is at 20 and a half for LSU minus 20 and a half. So I, well, is that even, is that a, is that better, better than LSU against Vanderbilt was last year, last week? Do you think so, right? I think LSU was minus 16 against Vanderbilt. Yeah. Um, so 
I mean, that says that shows what the odds makers think. Either that shows what the odds makers think about uh, Missouri or what LSU's improvement week to week is. So I don't know. I don't know which one it is, or maybe it's a combination of both. So, and something else I noticed the like this game. It's it was pretty late. I don't know if this it, it was going to be this late at Tiger Stadium, but they they've got the game scheduled on ESPN for nine p.m. I'm guessing that's eastern time yeah so it was supposed to be well yeah it was 8 p.m central here uh for saturday night and then the rumor is that it'll be an 11 a.m kick in oh, missouri yeah. oh and they, don't, they haven't said anything about what the tv situation is going to be but um well yeah. if it's an 11 a.m kick then it'll be an espn game probably so or or an sec well, actually well currently the espn 11 a.m kick is florida versus texas a&m so i doubt they boot that for lsu and then Fox has the Red River rivalry, Texas versus Oklahoma at 11 a.m. So got a little bit of competition. Uh, on the, uh, no no the one wants to like that. Yeah, because both of those teams <laughs> lost last year or last, last week. My, uh, my prediction of a Big 12 team making the uh, playoff championship is not looking good at this point. <laughs> it's only two weeks in. You can already cross that one off the list. <laughs> yeah, you can cross the whole conference off the list after two games. Yeah, the, the best team in Texas is SMU. They're the only 4-0 team in the country. Maybe they'll boot. Uh, maybe they'll boot this Coastal Carolina ULL game. Yeah, that's on ESPN. ESPN two. That's, that's probably gone. Yeah, Sorry, they'll. Pro- here's here's what they're gonna do. This is my prediction. Uh, book it. They're going to uh, boot. They're gonna. They're going to boot ULM versus Liberty on ESPNU. Move Coastal Carolina uh, ULL to ESPNU and put LSU on ESPN two. That's my prediction. As they should. As no. they should. When was it? Uh, it was last week. LSU Mississippi State was the highest rated game, right? Like the thing, it was rated even higher than some NFL games. Oh, really? Yeah, huh. they had like a four point. I forget what it was four point two, four point five, something like that. But it was it was rated higher than than pretty much every other game. Uh, so I don't know. I think LSU. I mean, you, you'll be able to watch the game. I think. Uh, yeah. Like they're, they're not going to, it's not just going to be like, Oh, they're moving the game. Okay. No TV, no cameras yeah. in the stadium. Yeah. Cause all the other games that you would watch, like there's, there's actually another ranked matchup, Virginia tech against UNC, but that's going to be on ABC. Uh, Texas OU is going to be on Fox, uh, Florida a and M. I'm surprised that's on, cause those are two ranked teams. I'm surprised that's on ESPN at noon. You think that would be the CBS game, but, uh, yeah, I guess CBS, CBS took uh, your Georgia Bulldogs versus Tennessee at two thirty. Yeah, uh, I know. Big, I guess they had a big win last week. They did. They they completely dominated Auburn, and I don't know. That makes you think. Wow, I thought Auburn was going to be you know one of the contenders for the West, but they didn't look like it in that game. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, I guess Tennessee with Georgia because that. If Tennessee's back, then you know that's a that rivalry is reestablished because it's been dormant for a while now, and I don't know. I guess we'll see. But I, I, I think I, that uh, I I remember this last year. Um, I think it's like a snake draft, kind of of like how the networks decide what games what games each like which games they get. Um. Well, they have their first pick, right, for their marquee game, and then after that, it's the other network picks. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that might have something to do with it as well. 
Although, of course, get, you know, next year, I'm really interested to see, this is kind of off topic, but I don't know it is. It's still, this is college football. I, I'm interested to see what, what next year will be like because pretty much every SEC, like where where is ESPN going to fit in all the games? Because ESPN's getting the rights to all the to all the SEC games next year, so ESPN will have all ACC games, all SEC games, plus whatever game they take on ABC, plus uh, whatever like plus like the Pac-12 games at night. So they're gonna are they gonna create like another network or something? Because CBS, I don't know what where I don't know where CBS is gonna fall into that, but it's not gonna be the SEC on CBS anymore. Well, maybe they just maybe they'll. I don't know. Are they not? They're not carrying any games. I know they CBS could have the pick of you know the best game or two that week, but uh, maybe they could pick up you know like Arkansas versus you know Kentucky uh, week six. You know stuff like that. I don't know. I just I remember them. I remember people saying like, okay, like get ready because this is the end of the SEC on CBS. Right. No, it's just weird. It's, yeah, but that, it's that weird takes place weird. in like 2022, I think. Or no, it's it's next season, I think. Okay, well, that's fine. Yeah, I, no, I, I, think, I think I think ESPN has enough channels and enough time slots to to cover all the best games, you know. Yeah, because they can they have the ACC network too. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll uh, we'll, we'll hold fast with a, a noon kickoff. Eastern kickoff uh, this Saturday in Columbia uh, until we hear otherwise. But uh, you know what? I guess for the record, Coach O has had his teams pretty well prepared for like an 11 a.m. kickoff so far, as long as he's been there. That's usually a concern. You know, it's like who the heck plays football at 11 a.m. But uh, from what I remember, he's, you know, he's had the teams ready to go. So uh, that, that, that wouldn't concern me, you know, if they're, if they're supposed to play at 11 a.m. on Saturday. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the only the only concern I have is that uh, I just don't like 11 a.m. games. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Nor do I. But, you know, now that I wake up a little bit earlier, it's it's, it's OK. The game's out of the way and you got the rest of the day to deal with. I did think it was kind of interesting, though, that the the head the hurricane is called Hurricane Delta. Uh-huh. I guess the trajectory of it is to just hit right at the Mississippi delta basin right there in louisiana so i they went right. all the way through the that's the whole point they moved all the way through like the alphabet so once they go through the alphabet once it goes on to greek letters yeah it's only ever happened one time before this Ooh, year did not know that so yeah. we've already gone through that many is it like what's the state in louis what's what's the state of uh i don't know concern in louisiana because if they've already gone through the alphabet now we're going back through it seems like you know every year i know hurricanes are always an issue and it's always a probability and it's always a probability that it can affect an LSU game. But, uh, is it, is you seem like it's more this year? Like you're, are, are Cajuns concerned or is it just, eh, you know, it's, it's whatever. There hasn't really been too much panic from what I've seen so far, but it's still, I guess, five days ish out. Um, I think they're kind of projecting like a category one to two ish, I saw, I saw two, like two, three, some, some, I don't know. Maybe the advocates just stirring up something. I saw four on the advocate today. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's because that's what it is right now, but it's supposed to like get, I mean, they say it's supposed to and things happen, but it's supposed to die down. Yeah. It's supposed to come down a little bit right before it hits kind of Friday night, Saturday morning. 
So probably stock up and hunker down a little bit. Um, fingers crossed it doesn't get too bad. But yeah, right now they're kind of projecting right between like the Baton Rouge, Lafayette area, although it may move a little bit further west because that's kind of how it's been tracking so far. Mm. Yeah, like it's supposed to hit Cancun, I think, tonight or now maybe. I don't know. And then it's supposed to kind of veer northeast towards the boot. Um, but yeah, I just didn't know. I mean, I, you know, I lived there. I was, there's plenty of hurricanes and you just, you just kind of dealt with it. But, uh, I don't know. It just seems like this year there's just been quite a few. So I just didn't know if the, uh, you know, the mood in in Louisiana was just like enough already. I mean, I I know, I I don't know if I can speak for the state, but I'm saying enough already. Right. (laughs) Tommy's going to go stop the hurricane. I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go stop it single-handedly. Just kind of build different. He'll hold it back. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go stand out there with my arms extended and this hurricane will just, I'm going to, I'm going to block the hurricane. I'd love to see that. Uh, (laughs) Maybe, maybe Daniel can get out there with a camera and record it. It'd be like the storm chasers, except for instead of like having that, that like really cool looking car with the satellite on top, it's just me. And I just go out and like look at it. <laughs> that might uh, that might bump up our social media presence if we got one of our correspondents just kind of holding back the storm surge down on Avery Island or something. <laughs> so I mean, if you're up for it, Tommy, I you know do I'll do I'll do anything for this podcast. So um, awesome. Let me let me get on the I'll get on the road after after recording and we'll and we'll go take care of it. Good to hear. Uh, so um, not. You know, I did. Uh, we uh, we did want to mention that uh, you know, even though we are, you know, just starting to get into the uh, the thick of the season, uh, but there is some recruiting news, uh, kind of in the form of a crystal ball prediction. So for that, I, I wanted to toss it over to you, Daniel, uh, to tell us what uh, what we need to know on the recruiting front. Yeah, it's nothing too big, but something to keep your eye on. So Corey Foreman. Uh, who we've talked about before on this podcast many times, the number one player in the 2020 class defensive end up from California. He, he had made those two trips to LSU the past couple of weeks, a little bit ago when Garrett Nussmeyer organized that big trip, they, they were paying on their own dime. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, so just today, uh, Steve Voltfong, who's the director of recruiting for 24 seven sports, kind of the most well-known like recruiting website and another guy each put in a crystal ball prediction for uh, Mr. Corey Foreman to LSU, uh, each with only a three out of 10 confidence, so nothing too crazy. But uh, some signs are pointing towards him to the Tigers, which is pretty good, which would indicate that those trips uh, definitely paid some dividends. And Tommy had mentioned to me earlier that it was kind of surprising after we we lost to Mississippi State that he was still kind of trending in this direction. Uh, But so definitely good to see and we could always use a beast like him on the defensive line. So if we continue to kind of put together some wins, hopefully he'll be back in Baton Rouge whenever we play our next home game. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but so we'll look for, for Corey to, to come Cali to the boot. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, uh, like I said, I, I remember uh, uh, one of the fraternities here had that big sign you know, it said like "Welcome Corey Foreman, Welcome Mason Smith" before the Mississippi State game. Yeah, Kappa Sigma uh, fraternity had two big banners with Corey Foreman and then Mason Smith, the number one prospect in Louisiana. Big like banners with paintings of each of them in LSU jerseys, uh, like "Welcome them Home." So that's the type of stuff you want to see. <laughs> well, I know, and I remember seeing. I remember thinking, you know, like after we won, after we lost that game, I was like, man, like you know, that's something you don't, when, when your top prospects come, you don't want to lose that game. That doesn't help you out. 
Um, but then the other, and, and so I was a little bit disappointed about that. So it's, it's, you know, encouraging that, that we do have this crystal ball for uh, Corey Foreman. But on the flip side, I also wonder if Corey Foreman might have seen um, some defensive struggles, you know, at, at when he was here and kind of saw himself and said, you know what, I can, I can play. I'd, I'd, pl- I'd start day one. You know, I wonder if it's a little bit of a confidence booster that uh, he feels like he can really improve that defense. So definitely something to watch out for. It's, it's always great when, uh, when somebody says that we're going to get the number one prospect in the country. So, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's keep an eye on it. And if you keep uh, listening to this podcast, we'll have it for you. Yes, we will. Uh, let's see. What else, what else do we have for them? Uh, what, what games are y'all planning on watching this weekend other than the LSU game? I think the marquee one is Clemson versus Miami. Uh, it's at Clemson Saturday night. The college game day will be there, I assume. Uh, so that'll be fun to see the Clemson Tigers get hopefully some better competition. Yeah, I, I think that's, a, you know, that's, that's going to be an exciting one. Um, definitely want to see, uh, you know, Miami's, Miami's been really good this year. I've, I've enjoyed watching them. I've enjoyed watching Derek King. But uh, I'd be excited. I want to see like how how Miami can play against like real marquee, real uh, you know top tier talent. So uh, that's definitely you know one that I'll be watching. Of course, I think along with the rest of the country, um, I'm excited about that Tennessee Georgia game. Georgia look you know it's been looking pretty good. So um, I, although I guess this is probably going to be their first like real test. Is that about right? I mean, they play Auburn last week. There wasn't no pushover. Well, I mean, no, but it didn't look after about after about the first quarter. You could kind of tell it wasn't their te- wasn't very much of a test, um, right? But they they didn't look quite the same the week before at Arkansas. No, so, no. Uh, but I mean, but Arkansas did end up beating uh, Mississippi State. So I, I don't know. I'm not saying the you know there's more parity in the SEC this year, but uh, it really does feel like it though. No, it's like that, you know, those first week games, uh, you know, you could just, I think anybody could just chalk it up to, uh, you know, it's just COVID. But uh, no, now that we're in week two and going into week three, you know, I think now you, you have to own your losses and, uh, you know, celebrate your victories because that's pretty much who you are at this point. Um, but I agree with you guys. Uh, I didn't even realize Miami was number, number seven. Um, but the Tennessee Georgia game definitely, and even though it's not, it probably won't be as good. I don't know. I'm interested to see what Florida can do on the road. I know Texas A&M is not LSU or Alabama of the West, but I, I don't know. It's uh, it's an early game for Florida. They're playing it. Well, it's going to be 11 a.m. local time, but uh, Texas A&M at home. I don't know. Uh, I you would think that Florida would have no problem. But then again, I don't know. It's it's going to be on the road. It's going to be a weird time. So I, I, another one to watch: Virginia Tech uh, at North Carolina. I'm excited. About, I like watching North Carolina play. Um, they're a fun team. I think they're you know we talked about it before. They're kind of an up and comer in the ACC. This might might not be their time right now. It seems like um, Clemson is you know still the class of the of the division, but they're sitting at number eight probably in the same kind of position as Miami where vying for that number two spot in the ACC. Um, so that's kind of fun to watch. And then uh, it's kind of interesting because you got Texas and Oklahoma playing in the red river rivalry, but then you've also got TCU playing Kansas state who are the two teams that just took down those two teams. <laughs> so um, 
it almost seems like that might be the better game. I don't know. Yeah, one, one last one I wanted to make note of is Alabama's playing out Ole Miss this year or this week. And although Alabama's looking good like they normally do, their dreams have come crashing down at uh, fought Hemingway Stadium a few times in the past. So although the Ole Miss faithful may not be filling the stands, getting rowdy, uh, Bama fans might need to kind of hold their breath for just a second. And I mean, and one thing, you know, Joey Freshwater will be there. He'll be coaching the Ole Miss Rebels. And uh, he'll be, you know, coaching against uh, his former employer, Nick Saban. Although Nick Saban since he defeated oh, Jimbo Fisher true. last week, still undefeated against former assistants in head-to-head coaching matchups. So he'll go to the test with Lane Kiffin this week. But you know what? The more they put those stats out there, the more closer it is to being broken. So keep putting that stat out there. It's like anytime they put a stat out, oh, Nick Saban's 9-0 and against former – it's that 10th time, which where that's where he loses. But it's, uh, I'm glad you guys brought that up because I remember last year, you know, John Rice Plumlee, he – he ran against LSU probably more than anybody ever has. But, you know, come this year, he's not even their starting quarterback. It's this other guy, Corral. So, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. It's it's like I, I, I don't think Ole Miss is a threat to take down Bama, but they're definitely a threat to I, – I feel like, you know, Alabama could be exposed defensively. Uh, I watched a little bit of the Alabama and Texas A&M game. Uh, I mean, I didn't think Texas A&M was going to pull it out. But, uh, you know, Texas A&M was – they were able to move the ball a little bit. They definitely were not in contention. They couldn't control the game. But uh, Alabama's defense, you know, like their secondary, uh, they it didn't look like they were that stout to me. You know, uh, I mean, Alabama – or A&M was able to, to move the ball. They just couldn't score – or at least not score that much and not as often with any proficiency. So I'll be interested to see that because Ole Miss, I think with Elaine Kippen, they're going to test that Alabama defense to show them what they're really made of. So that'll be a good one to watch. I think, uh, I think the main question for Ole Miss is can they stop Najee Harris? Cause there aren't many people who can, he's looking uh, great this year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do we uh, do we ever get any score predictions out? I know I think Daniel did for the Mizzou game. Yeah, I said forty twenty. I guess that's got more of a rough estimate, but I'll stick with it anyway. Um, let's see a score prediction. Yeah, I, I'd say maybe a forty. Hmm. You go, Scott. Let me let me think. Let me mull this over for a second. Right. Well, I think I said thirty five last week, and they ended up scoring forty one. And I think I gave I gave Vanderbilt like another touchdown more credit than they deserved. So I think I'm going to I'm going to put it back. I'm going to say LSU 45, maybe Mizzou 17. You totally just yeah, I think you just incepted me. I was gonna did I, I just, I just read your mind? I just settled on 45 17. I'll <laughs> say I'll say okay I'll say uh, 48 48 20. Both teams are going to get two more field goals out of it. <laughs> right that's, my, that's my prediction. The most important prediction, though, is that LSU covers. So, uh, you know, do with that what you will. Right. Right on. Uh, do you guys have anything else uh, before we head out this week? I think that's about it for me. Another good week of college football. Good to get in the win column. True. Uh, and the Saints got another win too, so both no longer have losing records. Uh, I mentioned that it was the first time since 99 that they were both losing records at the same time. Uh, so hopefully we can keep that momentum rolling. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, I'm ready to ready to see uh, what LSU has to has in store for us again. And uh, we'll be back. We'll be back next week to break it all down. Amen. Yes, we will. Yeah, and I was definitely glad to see the the Saints pick up a win. You know, it's just it's so interesting to watch you know LSU and the Saints and just how, how they do year in and year out. And uh, I don't know, just in the NFL, it just seems like it is a just a you know the year of the comeback or the the almost comeback. The NFL seems to be just a little bit crazier than college football right now to me anyway. Uh, and I am you know I, I pray pretty God every day that I'm, you know, I'm thankful that I'm not a Falcons fan. Cause I just, <laughs> I can't imagine the, just the woefulness of that fan base, you know, just, uh, just losing their games the way they do at least the first two, three weeks. And then this past week, they just, you know, they just didn't even show up. So I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, Aaron Rodgers really put it on them uh, last night. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, it's horrible. Uh, I mean, they, you know, they talk about Julio Jones, not showing up for games. Uh, Calvin Ridley didn't even have one catch, one catch. And there were so many people that I guess if you play fantasy football, it's like all they needed was one catch from Calvin Ridley and that would have made the difference for them. But he, he didn't even get one catch. So go figure. Uh, I don't know what's going on with the hundred million dollar man, Matt Ryan, but, um, I don't know if Dan Quinn's the guy that's going to figure it out, but, uh, moving right along, uh, we will, uh, tune in this week for the Mizzou game. Uh, I, as we said, we imagine it's going to be around noon in Missouri. So get up early, have yourself a nice Bloody Mary for, for this game. And uh, we'll talk about it come uh, next week. So until then, stay safe, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you next time on Talking Tigs.